0: Welcome to the Faith Heights Church audio podcast. We pray that this message will bless you and feed your faith as you listen in today. Let's move into this. So Matthew chapter 9. And I know we've already done some praying, but I'm going to pray again because we need all the help we can get. Father, we just pray right now that as we go to your word, that you would open our eyes supernaturally help us to see what we need to see. We don't just want to learn. We want to change. Bring us up, Lord. Answer questions today. Bring forth solutions to problems. Show us what we need to see. Equip us for future challenges. Comfort us through past challenges. Lord, whatever we need today, we know your word and your Holy Spirit is more than enough. So we say, teach us by your spirit. Open our eyes and help us not just to hear your word, but to be doers of it. In Jesus' name, amen. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 1 and 2, let's read this. As Jesus entered into a ship and passed over, he came to his own city. And behold, check what out. Behold what? They brought to him a man sick of the palsy. Now, for six or seven weeks now, we've been teaching a series entitled They Brought and He Healed. People brought hurting people to Jesus, and Jesus healed those people they brought. Notice, you know, we see this verse a lot of times and we jump right down to the healing, you know. Behold, Jesus healed a paralyzed man. Oh, it's so awesome. Behold, check this out, man. Jesus healed. Yeah, behold that, but what led up to it? Come on, put the scripture back on the screen. Behold what? Behold means check out. What does God want us to check out in this verse? Yes, that the man got healed, but also our part in Jesus being able to heal people. What's our part? They brought. They had enough faith to believe that Jesus had the power to set their friends free, and they got free. Oh, come on, church, do you see this? Behold what? See, we we don't want to jump over the they brought part. Now, listen closely. the, The same healings, the same miracles... Happened in the church after Jesus ascended into heaven and floated up on clouds of glory and left the earth around physically But the same Holy Spirit that was on him came to the earth That healed all these people and that same Holy Spirit and that same power is in his churches Whether churches are releasing the power or not or believing it's even there. It's there The Lord did not shortchange the church he gave us everything we need to deal with the sickness and the disease and the demon forces of our day. But if we're not using it, doesn't mean He didn't give it. just means we're not believing it. But I want you to see this. In the early church, they got this, they, the same healings and miracles were happening after Jesus left the earth that happened when Jesus was physically on the earth. Do you know why? Because He came back to us in the Holy Spirit, so we could do the works He did, get the people healed, get the people delivered, that He got healed when He was on the earth. So really, where is Jesus today? Well, He calls the church the body of Christ. What should we call the church? (laughs) What He calls the church. So I I just figured if you can find His body, you could probably find Him. (laughs) Right? We're the body of Christ. And we need to believe it. We need to believe it so strong that we're bringing people to this body of Christ so they can get the same things people got when they were brought to Jesus 2,000 years ago. But it's not going to work if we just believe we're people. You know, just worms saved by grace, just trying to make it. I'm just an old sinner. Believe you are who Jesus said you are. It'll actually help you live better. Believe you are who Jesus said you are. He said, check this out. They brought... Now go back to the verse. Let's let's read a couple more thorns. Who's they? Say they is us. They is is me. me. (laughs) Okay. They brought to him, they had enough faith in the fact that Jesus was who he said he was to actually bring people to him, believing they were going to get something. They brought to him a man sick of the palsy, paralyzed, lying on a bed, and Jesus seeing whose faith? Not just the sick man's faith. The ones who brought him. Do you see, this is how we get miracles and how we get power out of the Lord when nobody else is? You believe there's power in Him and you believe people are going to get delivered. Their faith, He saw their faith and He said to the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer, your sins are forgiven you. The next verse says, Rise, take up your bed and walk, the man's totally healed. Isn't that awesome? Well, bringing is believing. (laughs) Right? I mean, faith without works is dead. We know that, right? Faith in your heart locked away. Even the devils believe and tremble, and they're never going to get saved. Faith without action is dead. This was an action of faith that got somebody healed. The man believed that was sick, and those that brought him believed, and the power of God raised up a paralyzed man. And Jesus is telling us all through the Scriptures that the same things can happen in local churches. But you got to believe you are who the Lord says you are. you got to believe enough in, in what God's doing in your church to bring people to your church. And this is the heartbeat of God. I mean, He loves people, and He needs us. Say this, Jesus needs me. He say, oh, Jesus, go save my neighbor. He's going to say, as soon as you go, I will. I work through my body. Just like your head works through your... How much can your head do without your body? Anybody want to testify? How much can your head do without your body? How much can Jesus do without his body? You want him to save your neighbor? You better go to your neighbor and let him work through you. You want him to to invite them to church? You better go and let him be your, you know, let him speak through you and work through you. Last week we said something kind of startling. I thought it was kind of interesting, but the Lord really quickened to me that this really needed to be spoken. My life, your life, all of our lives. When do I want my liver to stop working? In my body. Can I ask you? Who who when do you want your liver to stop working? Not yet, right? (laughs) Not yet. When do you want your hand to go paralyzed? When do you want it to not move anymore? Preferably when you leave the earth, right? When do you think Jesus wants His hand to stop working? His feet to stop working? We never retire from our position in the body of Christ or in the church. You retire from other things, your job, you know, your, the thing you get paid for, whatever. But you never, when, when do you want your heart to fail in your body? When do you think Jesus wants his heart to stop working in the earth? When do you think he wants the finger to say, I'm done? Not till ever, right? So I say these things because I think a lot of times people think, well, you know, I I just, you know, I used to do this, but I don't anymore. I'm just kind of letting other people do that. Well, if you're called to do something, you know, fitly joined together, that's where you're supposed to be. For how long? Until he says otherwise, right? I mean, that's pretty important to keep parts of the body where they're supposed to be. So I'm saying all that again to say this. When we bring people to our local church, and if we believe that our local church is what Jesus said it is, we should expect to see the same miracles and healings Jesus saw, the early church saw, because we're part of the same church. And by the way, uh, Jesus said the gates of hell are not supposed to prevail against the church. You know, things that are locking people into sickness and addictions and bondages and fears. When they come to a church like this, the gates of hell that are locking them up should not be able to prevail against our prayers, sermons. Those things are supposed to fall off. Angels are supposed to sweep them out and they're supposed to be free. Because why? Because we are who Jesus said we are. Turn to, uh, look at verse 32. So if you read the rest of that, you can do it for homework. The man got totally healed. But Matthew 9, 32, you'll see this phrase all throughout the New Testament. They brought, and he healed. They brought unto him a blind man, and he healed. What if there was no they brought ministry? There would have been very little he healed ministry. There were people that had faith that they believed that Jesus was who he says he was. And you know what happened after they believed that? They saw he was who he said he was. They saw the power of God. It says, they went out and behold, oh, there it is again, verse 32, end of the chapter. Behold, they brought to him a man that couldn't speak, possessed with a devil. And then the next verse, what does it say? And when the devil was cast out, the dumb spoke, and the multitudes marveled, saying it was never so seen in Israel. The guy gets totally healed. They brought, he healed. They brought, he healed. You'll see the same terminology in the book of Acts after Jesus went to heaven happening in the church. It said they brought people from every city round about who were sick, who were diseased, vexed with unclean spirits, and it said they brought them to church and they were healed, everyone. So the they brought ministry is still in effect. And you know, I, I've been thinking about this and I've been pondering. You know, why is it so difficult at times to see things happen and change in believers' lives to where they pick up something and they run with it? Well, for one thing, there's, there's evil opposition against us doing what we're hearing in church. Because if we actually do what we're hearing, miracles happen. Bondages leave. Lives are changed. We have to watch out to not make church like a movie theater. You know, we go get entertained, get a little excited, and go home and nothing changes in our life. I mean, think we should be a little different than a movie theater. The Bible doesn't talk about being entertained in church. The Bible talks about being equipped in church. For what, Pastor? Well, for one thing, the evil day that comes to everybody is going to come to you sometime or another in your life. And, oh, if you're equipped, mm. Victory, victory, victory. But if you're not equipped, what happens? A lot of people have been destroyed. And it wasn't because they were bad. wasn't because the God wanted them destroyed. If you're not equipped, when you're supposed to be equipped, let's just say it's not probably the best day of your life. You want to make a good confession with me? Yes. Say this. I, I am being equipped, be equipped. Right, now right now to overcome anything. It comes my way or my family's way. Say this, I am not a hearer only. I am a doer of the word of God. So that means right now you're thinking about what adjustments do I need to make in my life so I can do this. Because I guarantee you, you do not have time to do what the Lord's telling you to do right now. You don't. You're probably maxed out like everybody else. Tired at the end of the day. Tired when you wake up, probably. Most most people do not have time to do what I'm talking to you about. They have to make room for it. How many think soul winning is probably something we should consider making room for in our lifestyle? Not just when pastor preaches on it. See, I've got this, I'm not sure the Lord wants me to go much beyond this sermon, so you're going to get some concentrated stuff here in the next few minutes. Is that okay? You're going to have to make room. If you try to cram bringing people to church and taking it serious to where you're, planning who to invite and bringing people and taking them to lunch afterward and making a friend forever. If, if you're really, really going to do this, you know, keep, keeping your eyes on neighbors and friends and coworkers and when to invite them and making invitations and praying for them and bringing them, if you're really going to do this, you're going to have to make room for it because you can't cram this in your already overbooked schedule. One of the plans of the devil is to get people so busy doing good things, they don't have time for the life-saving things. I mean, he'll even settle for us doing good things. Just get them so busy, so busy, they don't have time for the best things that God wants them to do. You know, when we're asking, when we're praying about, and we're, we're deciding things like, what am I going to do with my life? And what am I, especially in these time-taking up areas, we shouldn't just ask if it's good, We should ask, is it God? Because good's not always God. Although God is always good, all this good stuff may not be God. And you have to kind of say, Lord, what the more we grow in love for God, the more our decisions are based on what He wants than what we want. Because we love what He wants more than anything. Um, So say this there is a they brought ministry. And I'm in it. And always, it's fun. (laughs) But don't try to cram it into your already overbooked schedule. Look at your schedule and ask yourself, all these things that are taking up all my time, which ones do I know that I know that I know that I know the Lord told me to do? Might get a little thin. Did you know you could serve the Lord the way you want to? Or you could serve the Lord the way He wants you to. Huh? Here's a scripture. Think about this. It said, King David served his generation, comma, by the will of God. Very important part of that verse. By the will of God. We got people all over doing things for the Lord, but it's not what the Lord wanted them to do. (laughs) How does that work? Well, number one, it's going to be an uphill climb because the only thing that's fully blessed is what he wants. You can't make what you want God's will for your life. Do you understand what I'm saying? You can't go, wow, this is amazing. I want this. This is so cool. There's nothing wrong with this. It's great. It's profitable. God, I'd like this to be your will. God's going to go, oh, you know, I think I will change my will. You're smarter than me. (laughs) He's going to go, sorry, uh, you can't improve on my will for your life. It's already the best. And then people start their own plans and say, oh, God, bless these plans. And God says, (laughs) Why don't you find out for me what my plan is for your life? It's already blessed. Now, you know, God will bless something as far as He can, but I don't want far as He can blessings. I want the full blessing. You guys want the full blessing? Let me tell you one thing His full blessing is on, and that is bringing people to Him. You know what I mean? Overcoming insecurities, repenting of the shyness or the fears that's keeping us back from doing what's the greatest thing on our Lord's heart. I mean, don't you see it in the book of Acts? I mean, the disciples are going, Jesus had risen from the dead. He's about ready to float up on clouds of glory and leave them. And they're going like, Jesus, wow, this is amazing. Are you going to restore to us the kingdom of Israel this time? Wow, is this the end times? Jesus. And Jesus said, stop. The most important thing is go to Jerusalem, wait you and do with power, be filled with the Holy Spirit and be a witness unto me. They want to talk about all these other things, which are okay. But Jesus said right now, the most important thing, is you get the Holy Spirit and you be a witness for me. He, Jesus was really big on teaching be filled with the Holy Spirit so you could even do what God wants you to do. So, um, tell you what, go to Philippians chapter 2 and actually, I'm going to have you guys put up a few other scriptures before that. Proverbs eleven 30. Let's look at Proverbs chapter 11, verse 30 and then we'll go to Philippians 2 in just a minute. So, for the remaining time, let me just give you some practical anointed advice. Can I do that? This, they brought, he healed. Now, we're involved in both of those, right? We bring, and then the whole church, because Jesus said we're the body of Christ, yielding to him, we can get him healed. We bring, and we're also part of them being healed. Um, But look, I'm going to show you this, Proverbs 11.30. Look at this verse. Solomon, by the wisdom of God, said, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that wins souls is wise. Hmm. Could we read, he that doesn't win souls is a dummy? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no, really. I mean, how, what kind of opportunity do we have right now that we don't have when we go to heaven? When you go to heaven, you cannot reach your neighbor anymore. You can't get to them, and they can't get to you. Unless they get born again, you will never see them again. He that wins souls is what? Come on, this will help you remember. Say this. He that wins souls is not a dummy. Because he that wins souls realizes the most important thing in life is helping people get to heaven. Helping people come into the family of God. Actually, it's even more important than you personally going to heaven. Come on, what could be more important than you going to heaven? Bringing someone with you. I think that would be pretty cool. I know now why there's tears in heaven, because there's going to be some people in heaven crying because they didn't put forth more effort in winning their neighbors to the Lord so they could see and experience the glory of God. And the Lord said he'll wipe away those tears from their eyes. And, but I thought, tears in heaven, why? I have a feeling when we really get there, we're going to hit ourselves if we didn't do everything in our power to bring as many people with us as we could. Just, just seeing, We're going to start crying if, if we know. We just, why did I take that more serious? I can't believe I was so selfish. I can't believe I didn't go out of my way, overcome fear. I can't believe I didn't reach out more. So, just for the last few minutes, let's talk about making room for bringing people to Jesus. Because it's not going to fit in your already overbooked schedule. So what's what's the answer? Don't bring people to Jesus or adjust our already overbooked schedule? I mean, that's a good answer. See, people think serving God is stressful. Because they try to cram serving God in their already overbooked schedule. Going to church praying, reading their Bible, going to a prayer meeting now and then, witnessing, visiting the sick, living the Christian life. The reason a lot of people, serving in the church, helping on the helps team. The reason a lot of people think that stress, they, they interpret that as serving God is stressful. And then when they get stressed, they stop serving God, thinking that's the answer. And then they wonder why there's still something missing in their life. You can have everything in the world. If you're not doing what the Lord wants you to do, there is a dissatisfaction you cannot satisfy any other way except doing what God wants you to do. And it's one of the reasons there are some people on this planet that are 10,000 times happier than a person who lives in a 40,000 square foot home and they've only got a 1,000 square foot trailer is because that person's in the will of God and the people with all the money are still in depression because they're not doing what God cut them out to do. How many more suicides of celebrities do we need to know to realize? (laughs) Right? I mean, Jim Carrey even got it. He said, "He said, I hope everybody becomes a multimillionaire in their life so they can find out that's not going to bring them satisfaction. That's not going to make them happy." I mean, if Jim Carrey gets it, come on. (laughs) And Jim, if you're watching, I hope you're laughing. Quote Jim Carrey in church. That's different. So, he that wins souls is what? So this means you're tapping into something a lot of people don't see. What is true wisdom? Realizing what life's all about. You know, our careers and our jobs, all they should be is giving us ability to be a greater influence for Jesus. Don't get sidetracked in this. The jobs outside of our church, the the projects we got going, the investments we got going, that should all be supporting the core of your life, which is I'm a witness for Jesus and I want to bring people to him more than anything, whether it comes through support of your local church, whether it comes through one-on-one, developing your own ministry, whatever it would be, everything in our lives should be centered around we're here to be a witness for the Lord. That's when you're really happy. There are people that have all the money in the world, and they are not happy. Because they're not using it for the highest purpose. Their heart's somewhere else. So, Daniel chapter 12, verses 2 and 3. Daniel 12, verse 2 and 3. If you put that up on the screen, this is the prophet Daniel. He has some things to say about this. Many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament. And they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. He's telling us here how valuable it is to be involved in soul winning. Getting people to want to turn from the road they're on to the road God has for them. And that's called being a smart person. I know there's ineffective soul winning. We've all seen it. But all, all people that are crazy in this area don't represent everybody in this area. How I many know it's, it's really ridiculous to think that this whole group of people is wrong because one or two made a mistake? It's called throwing the baby out with the bathwater, right? It's like, no, you don't do that. You just drain the water, right? <laughs> Keep the baby. Amen. Somebody give me an amen or I have to preach a whole other message here. <laughs> there, I, I've seen people be very ineffective in soul winning. I, I have seen it, we, we've, and, you know, I don't know their heart or whatever, but I just don't see somebody standing on a corner with a bullhorn telling people they're going to hell as very effective soul winning and getting people to want our loving Jesus. Uh, now, if the Lord told somebody to do that, I, I step aside and I say, okay, I don't understand it. We'll, we'll just see what happens at the end. But um, I, I think that we need to not think that soul winning is just what we saw how somebody else did it. Soul winning is supposed to be a part of our everyday life. It's supposed to be part of our character, our personality, our dream, our vision, our purpose. It's supposed to flow, not just be, oh, it's time to soul win. No, it should be a part of your life. And you talk about joy that you can get no other way. Oh my goodness. So at Acts chapter one, actually I just quoted Acts chapter one. Go to Philippians chapter two. Let's go ahead and get real specific here about how you can actually make room. First of all, let me ask, is anybody interested at all in what I'm talking about? (laughs) Okay. Um, I actually, I think I left one of my books in my office. It's called I Believe in Visions, Joe. If you could check that out or have Darren check that out, just bring that to me if you would. But before they get back in here, look at Philippians chapter 2. I must be preaching really good. Hear all those amens? I'd like to hear a few more of them, actually. Um, put up on the screen, Philippians chapter 2, verse 21. Now, look at this interesting statement. Paul said, all people seek their own. And what does he mean by that? But they're not seeking the things which are Jesus Christ's. Things of Jesus. You ever, th- you ever ask yourself, what are the things of God? Did you ever ask yourself that? See, we put God first. Here's, here's the visible, tangible way you can tell. We put God first by putting His things first, not by just saying, God's your first. I mean, it's a little more substantial than saying, God, you're first in my life. God's going to go, show me. What are you doing with my things? Remember, uh, Peter said something about, Jesus, no, you're not going to die. We're not going to let you die. And Jesus turned to Peter and said, Peter? You are more interested in, thou savorest, okay, that's the King James, you're more interested in the things of men, and you're not at all interested in the things of God. Ever ask yourself, what's the things of God? A lot of it's what we're talking about right now, bringing people to Him. Church, you know, these are the, tithing is a thing of God, the Bible says. Sitting, hearing The word of God is a thing of God. Mary has chosen that good thing and will not be taken away from her. What's the things of God? And it says here, all men seek their own. Now, please back up two verses to verse 19. Paul said, I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy shortly unto you that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. So he's saying, I, say, church at Philippi, listen to me. Christians at the church at Philippi, listen to me. I'm hoping to send Timothy to you shortly. Next verse. For I have nobody like Timothy who will naturally care for your state. This was a part of his life, not just something he did. He naturally cared for the church. He had a part in the church. He flowed with it. It was a part of his life. It was in his blood. Next verse. For all men seek their own. So this is in the context of the things of God in the church. All men seek their own and not the things that be Jesus Christ. Paul said Timothy's work in the church was actually attending to the things of God. Do you see that? And so I thought about this. I thought, no, wait, a it all men seek their own? That's heavy. What's he saying here? Number one, not many people naturally do this. Not many people naturally want to do this. But another thing he's saying here is this, even Timothy, even Paul, all of us have to be on guard for selfishness. Because we grew up in a world that teaches us it's all about us. It's all about me. It's all about me. I'm going to do it my way. I cannot picture Jesus Christ ever waking up one morning when he was on the earth, yawning and going... Oh, what do I want to do today? Life was too short. He said, I only do that what the Father leads me to do. Life's too short to do your own thing. Most people are living for this life, and the Bible says this life is compared to a vapor, a few seconds, and it's gone. What should we be living our life according to? This life, which is a vapor, or everlasting life, or eternity? You see, sometimes you think about these things. You think, man, I got this and I got that. I used to be, be a time in my life. Where I, was, I got a dream. I'm my dream. And God said, great, but it's not my dream for your life. My dream's way bigger and way better. And how many think God's smarter than us? You think God's smarter than you? Then I would say, let's don't just decide what we're going to do in life. Let's discover what He's already got for our life. Step into that flow with that, and oh my goodness, our little pea brain dreams are down the drain. Right? I mean, his plan for our life is so much greater than our own plan. Um, I'm going to read you something in this book in just a minute, but I want you to go to, well, read the scripture one more time. Verse 21. Uh, It's just, to me, it's astounding. All men seek their own and not the things which are Jesus Christ. So, are you open to the thought that maybe the things of Jesus could be a little more attended to? And in order for it to work right and to not think that serving God is stressful, we might have to look at our daily agendas and our daily schedule and our weekly schedule of uh, the things we do on the regular and say, you know what? I don't think this is, impor- is as important as this. Part, part of making room for it is looking at your weekly schedule and putting in 15 minutes to a half hour or whatever. I'm going to sit down with my "they brought, he healed" notebook, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna go over the names of the people that I'm going to invite to church, and I'm gonna pray for them accordingly. I'm gonna go over the names of the people that I have already invited to church that haven't showed up yet, and I'm gonna pray for them accordingly. And I'm gonna go over the name of the people that I have invited and brought, and they're in the church today, and pray for them accordingly to stay hooked, to stay linked. Hey, relax, you know what I mean? We think we have to just be like this when we're serving the Lord. Get your cup of lemonade. Kick back on your porch swing. Get your book out and just look in the sky and then look at the names in your book and just start praying for them. And add new names as new names come to you. Start there. That's called making room for soul winning. Because soul winning won't fit in your art. You don't have enough time to win souls. I don't have enough time to win souls. I'm going to have to make time to do it. Because I'm telling the world around us right now, all the technological stuff that's happening and and the devil, I am telling you, you are probably over busy right now. I mean, just because you can do it doesn't mean you should do it. Just because it's good doesn't mean you should do it either. Got to ask, is it God? Not just is it good. Make time for it. Make time. We've got the notebooks. How many of you got your notebook and pen already? And if, you don't, and if you don't want a notebook and pen, start up something on your computer. Just have a, ch- a part of your life that says, this is me focusing on, they brought, he healed. Bringing people and doing my part in the church. Whether it's on a service team or something else, that's not on a service team. Uh, so let me read you in this book here. Let's see if I marked it. So... I wanted to read you this just in closing to just get you stirred up, and hopefully, you know, we we do something with this message, even just a little something, and and grow from there. Um, In the book of Acts, after Jesus left the earth and the church had started, Peter, which is just a man just like us, you know, he made a lot of mistakes, but the Lord used him mightily still. He was up on a housetop one time praying, and he fell into a trance, and he saw in a vision, a big sheet let down from heaven with all kinds of animals in it. And he, there's a vision that the Lord is trying to get to him, that the Gentiles were also going to come into the kingdom of God, so don't call unclean what God said he's cleansed. And I just want to say he had a vision. He fell into a trance and had a vision. Paul the Apostle, man just like us, but before he was a Christian, he was the worst sinner of all, but got saved, wrote two-thirds in the New Testament, had visions and uh, dreams of the Lord. Had, had visions. Um, the Bible says in Acts chapter 2 that young men in the last days shall see visions. Old men shall dream dreams. So visions and dreams are scriptural. Not every dream, not every vision is from the Lord. Make sure it lines up with the Bible. Some of it's just probably the pepperoni pizza the night before. But, but Kenneth Hagin is in heaven now. He's my spiritual father and probably a lot of yours as well. In his book, I Believe in Visions, he had he's explaining one of the visions he had of the Lord while he was on the earth And he said he was praying in a church service, kind of like this. They were all in a prayer meeting. Everybody was praying. He was kneeling on the platform and praying. And he said, As I was praying, I heard these words Come up here. The voice said it again Come up here. He said, Then I looked and I saw Jesus standing about where the top of the tent would be. And I looked up again and the tent had disappeared. The folding chairs had disappeared. Every tent pole had disappeared. The pulpit disappeared. And God permitted me to see into the spirit realm. Jesus was standing there and I stood in his presence. He was holding a a crown in his hands. The crown was so extraordinarily beautiful that human language could not begin to describe it. Jesus said, quote, this is a soul winner's crown. My people are so careless and indifferent. This crown is for every one of my children. I speak and say, Go, speak to this one, pray for that one. But my people are too busy. They put it off. Souls are lost because they will not obey me. Now, the Bible talks about Paul said, I have fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. Therefore, there's laid up for me a crown, which the righteous judge shall give me at that day. James says, Blessed is the man that endures temptation. When he's tried, he'll receive the crown of life, which the Lord promised to them that love him. Crowns are talked about. Actually, we just read the book of Revelation where it said the 24 elders around the throne of God, you know, where lightnings and thunderings are proceeding out of, a, a rainbow around the throne like an emerald. He that sat on the throne looks like a jasper stone. Talking about what the throne of God looks like, the center of the universe. And it says the twenty elders fell down on their face, When Jesus was revealed as a lamb that was slain, getting ready to open a book that no one could open but Jesus himself. It was sealed. It couldn't be opened. It said all these elders cast their crowns at the feet of Jesus. Well, there's crowns waiting for people who go certain directions and do certain things. And he also said, so let me just say this again. He said it was a soul winner's crown. Then the next uh, paragraph, it says, Jesus, when he said that, I wept. I knelt down and repented of all my failures. Then Jesus said to me again, come up here again. It seemed as if I went with him through the air until we came to a beautiful city. We did not actually go into the city, but we beheld it at close range as one might go up on a mountain to look down on a city in the valley. Its beauty was beyond words. Jesus said that people selfishly say they're ready for heaven. They talk about their mansions and the glories of heaven, while many around them live in darkness and hopelessness. Jesus said I should share my hope with them and invite them to come to heaven with me. So really, you could probably translate the whole title of this message, Pulling People Out of Hopelessness. And sometimes we have to say, Holy Spirit, give me a flashback what it's like to be hopeless because I've been free for so long I forgot. Let some compassion stir up on the inside of you and get out there, overcome fear, and talk to your neighbors. One of the best things you can do to people around you, you know, be, be, number one, be more aware that there's a lot of people around you every day. And just, just when the, look for an open door or if one's starting to open, nudge it open, and just say to people, how are you doing during this time? with all the stuff that's going on. I mean, that's a good conversation starter. How are you doing? I'm actually interested in you. How are you doing? Are you all right? And of course, the conversation will probably get around to, well, what do you do for a living? You know, I, I would probably say, even before I was a pastor, I'd probably say, well, number one, I serve in my church. It's, it's the greatest thing in my life. Number two, I have this business out here. I, I do you know, business, I do this. But I'd want them to know, in reality, the greatest thing in my life is my position in the church. And I did that even before I was a pastor, when I had a painting business. Not Michelangelo, but, you know, (laughs) walls and ceilings. And then, I don't know why, this just comes out of me. I tell people all the time when Carl and I go out to eat or whatever, I just find myself saying, you know what, you would love our church. I don't have to try to say it. I said, you would love our church. I mean, you all are here. You obviously like it. Right? Why don't we bring people? Let's just do it. Let's just show fear who's boss. You can't talk to them. They're going to reject you. You can't say that. You're going to flub up. You're not a speaker. Blah, 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 blah. Just say, you don't fear. I'm going to show you who's boss. And it ain't you. And shyness is fear. Nervousness is fear. They're just milder forms of it. Sometimes you just got to say, fear, get out of here. I'm going to talk to my neighbors. I'm going to make my own invitations and invite them to church. Or to lemonade at my house and then eventually to church. Sometimes you have to make friends before you can even invite them to church, or they'll feel like a project. And you don't want that. But we're talking about bringing people to heaven with us. So, on your way out, in closing, on your way out, if you haven't got your book yet, the black and yellow book that says, They Brought He Healed, and the pen that says, They Brought He Healed, this is for you. To, to log the people's names, to pray over them, the ones you've invited, the ones you're going to invite, the ones that have already come. Because once you make a friend like that, it's a friend forever. And We just cur- encourage you. follow This will help you get healed quickly, guys. The only, the only scripture in the Bible that talks about health springing forth speedily is when we're helping people like we're talking about today. So really... Another prayer may not be what you need. It may be just acting like you got the victory. God heard your past prayer and get out there and bring other people to victory. Let's stand up. If you're watching by online and you don't have one of those books, if we have some left, call the church. We'll see if we can get you one. But whether it's a book that you're receiving today or a log on your own computer, because a lot of people just do everything on their computer or phones now. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for helping us to see what you want us to see. Lord, I believe with all my heart, something's going to change in our lives after today. And we're going to make room for what's closest to your heart, and that is people. And Father, we know that you wouldn't tell us to do something that we couldn't do. And I heard the Spirit of God say these words. Situations and problems in your life that are holding you back and holding you down. Those things have to be fixed when you're doing the will of God. So realize and understand that as you do the will of God, whatever you need to do, it will be there. Health, strength, prosperity, joy, deliverance. I heard the Spirit of God say, tell the people, son, that their answers are also going to manifest quickly as they help other people get to me. Soul winners have to be healed. Soul winners have to prosper. Are you kidding? Soul winners have to be free from depression. God knows that. And if we're involved in doing what's the greatest thing on His heart, it's very difficult to stay in poor shape. God knows we have to be in good shape to do the things He's called us to do. Oh, Father, we thank You. Thank you for listening to today's podcast.